0: Okay. Tonight we celebrate the holiday of Tube'Av. Av. The, the Mishnah Tanit records that Rav Shimon ben Gamliel said, there were never greater joys in Yis- never greater days of joy in Israel than the 15th of Av and Yom HaKippurim. So the question is what is Tube Av and why do we say it's equivalent to Yom Kippur? I say it's also a little puzzling to me, which we mentioned on Shaban in the synagogue. We had the 3 weeks beginning of the 17th of Tammuz then you have the nine days. Then you have Shavuah Shechalbo. Then you have the Tisha B'Av. Then you have the 10th of Av, which we say because because the, the burning began at the evening of the 9th of Av, and we continue the whole day of the 10th of Av. So our custom is, different customs, but our custom is we don't have meat or wine the whole day of the 10th. And then all of a sudden, you have Friday night of the 10th, becomes the 11th, and it's uh, Shabbos Nachamu, everybody come and dance and we're going to have a big party. How do you go from morning without a, a period of return? You know, you know, sort of like, you know, we say that you went, you went from the morning from this level morning to deeper morning to deeper morning. You're all the way in the valley. And instead of coming up slowly, you just jump. jump. And then we say that, tu tu, that, that, that this Tu which is the fifteenth day of Av, which comes right after, should be considered the happiest day of the year. The problem I have is that if the if the if the Mikdash is burning on the tenth, and the Romans and the, the Babylonians are taking apart the Mikdash on the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth, they're breaking down whatever stones were there. So. While you still smell the Mikdash burning, we're saying we should be so happy, jump up and down and everyone get together. So how do we change completely so quickly? And what is this celebration of Tu that we say that the Gemara should say such a thing that it's the happiest day of the year? So the rabbis tell us that Yom Kippur, remember we have to think, what's Yom Kippur? We know that Bnei Israel committed the sin of the Egel. We committed the sin of the golden calf on the 17th day of Tammuz. And then Moshe Rabbeinu, we have 40 days where Moshe is, is asking for Hashem to forgive us. That's Rosh Chodesh Elul, which comes two weeks from now. And then 40 days later, Moshe returns with the second set of Luchot. That's Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur, in essence, is the day that it seems that the sin of the Egel is forgiven. That's the day we get a second chance from the Egel. It seems in a way that Tisha'a Be'av and then Tu Be'av Tu Be'av becomes a way to get a second chance for the sin of the meraglim. So we had really the big strike was the Chet Egel. But we still had a chance after the Chet Egel. And then we're ready to go into the land. We send spies ahead of... Moshe sends spies to check the land. 10 out of 12 come back. Tell them not to go. The people cry all night. And basically they get punished 40 years. They're going to stay in the desert and it's going to be a night of crying. All the people who were between 20 and 60, it's decreed that they're going to die in the desert. How do they die? You have 600,000 people between 20 and 60. Every year, 15,000 of those people are gonna pass away basically. So what did they do? If they knew it was their 60th birthday, they would go out, dig a grave, lay in the grave, sneeze. That's why many people have a custom. I know my father always, when someone sneezed, he would say, the dead, because they said that when a person sneezed, their neshama would come out. They would lay in their grave and they would sneeze and they would pass away. Every year, 15,000. We come to the 40th year in the desert And the people go out on the 9th of Av. The last 15,000, they lay in the graves. And if anyone calculated their birthday wrong all those other years, they would get up in the morning and say, Oh, I got another year. All them who lay down in their graves that night get up the next morning. They say, we must have calculated wrong. Maybe it's not the 9th. So they do it again the next night and the next night and the next night and the next night. And then they see it's a full moon and they know... They couldn't have made a mistake and they know that Hashem gave them a reprieve. These last few and they're going to be able to go in. One of the reasons maybe that Moshe is going to ask, maybe he'll get a reprieve and he'll be able to also go in. So because of this are we saying that it's the happiest day of the year? 585,000 of them already died. Maybe 15,000 were left over. How could you say because of this that it's the happiest day of the year it's hard to understand one thought that i saw was that after tisha b'av at the darkest time of the year when we come to the full moon of tu Be'av, the brightness of tu Be'av takes such an incredible effect after the darkness comes the dawn and this is in some ways they say this is the dawn the zohar kadosh says that Tu think about this, is the day the heavens rejoice. Why? What about Tu is going to cause the heavens to rejoice? Chemdat Yamim says that on Tu a person should eat and drink and celebrate. Dr- eat and drink, everybody, fadl. you have to fulfill a mitzvah, right? The Chida says that on Tu the Shekhinah, the presence of Hashem, rises to a higher position. And it seems to be that beginning to Be'av, there's a power that transfers from Esav to Yaakov, that Yaakov pulled back. The months that were given to Esav was Tammuz and Av, and Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, was able to pull back the second half of Av from Esav. Again, all these things going on, how do we understand? So the Gemara asks the question, Why... Would you say that this is the happiest day, like Yom Kippur? So the Gemara brings some of the explanations to suggest why. So the first reason is, and I think the first two reasons are why we've turned Tu B'Av into Sadie Hawkins Day, so to say, <laughs> or Valentine's Day in Israel, and that is because in the uh, in the story of the daughters of Slofachad. One of them whose name is Noah, my granddaughter. Okay, I got that in? Okay. So, (laughs) so, the daughters of Sloth we have that they, basically, their father died. There's no sons and they want to know how can they inherit. The problem is that the people from their tribe say later on, we have a problem. The problem is that if the women inherit and then marry someone from a different tribe then what's going to happen, the land in that tribe's territory is going to transfer to a different tribe. So they make a rule that any girl who doesn't have a brother, she can't marry anyone not from her tribe. And that rule exists. We say that eventually that rule was changed, that anyone could marry anybody. And when did that happen? Tu so because of that, it's the happiest day of the year. Again, doesn't, doesn't seem to be. Second, we have uh, the tribe of Benjamin. There's a tragic, terrible story about the Pelegesh Begiv'ah. I'd rather not go into it. But because of this terrible story, basically the tribe of Benjamin is decimated and excommunicated to the point where there are only 600 people left in the tribe. And they were going to disappear, and they decide they have to come up with a way to re, re, uh, re put them back into or put them back into being able to marry. So what happens is they take four hundred women in Yavesh Gilad whose members had not been present for the oath to excommunicate, and they basically tell the Ben the tribe of Benjamin. These girls are going to be in such and such a place. Grab one. That's why it's Sadie Hawkins Day, right? The girls are supposed to dress... It's the reverse. The girls are supposed to all dress in white. Everyone takes everyone else's clothes. Nobody knows who's anybody. And what do we do? They all go into the the field and find a husband. This is, so they say, because Benjamin was allowed to re-enter Knesset Yisrael so to say that's why it's the happiest day of the year again it doesn't doesn't do me we have after, yes again it's <laughs> look at today this is solution to the I'm just saying to you okay we're going to dress all the girls in white, we're going to put them here on the beach, plenty of space tell the boys <laughs> go pick I don't know if any girl's going to be willing. <laughs> they want to pick. They don't want to be picked. <laughs> ah, very good. Hmm? So the next one is after King after Shlomo HaMelech he dies, we have. Oh, after Shlomo HaMelech, we have his son Rehovam takes over. When Rehovam takes over, they tell him, listen, your father was a tough guy, don't be so tough. He says, from his friends, his friends tell him, you know, don't listen to them. If my father beat you with whips, I'm going to beat you with chains. What happens is there's a revolution and ten tribes secede under a Sadiq Gamur whose name is Yerovam Ben Nevat. But the problem is that power... Corrupts absolute (coughs) power, corrupts corrupts absolutely. So here's the problem. Yeruvah now becomes the king of the ten tribes. But what happens is we have a commandment to go every year to Yerushalayim three times a year. If you go to Yerushalayim in the Bet HaMikdash, there's only one chair. The one chair is for the king of Yehuda. So Yeravam says, if I let them go... Rechovam, I'm sitting in the chair, I'm standing, what's going to be? They're going to go, maybe leave me. So he puts up guards to, to make sure no one could get into Yerushalayim. He sets up two temples, each with a golden calf, which tells us that there must be more to the golden calf than, than we could understand. And basically stops the people from going to Yerushalayim. What happens is the last king of the kingdom of Israel, his name is Hosea ben Elah. He decides to remove the guards, to let the people go to Yerushalayim. When does this happen? Tu Be'av. Therefore, Tu Be'av is the happiest day of the year. Next one. At the beginning of the Second Temple Period, the, the, the country really lay waste. There was no wood. They cut all the trees down when the armies were coming through. Now, what did they do? They needed wood for the Bet Hamidash to burn the on the altar. You had to have Ner You had to have the fire constantly burning. So, what did they do? They had special people who would go cut wood, but you could only cut wood that was not going to become wormy. So, you had to only cut it in the very dry season. When does the dry season end? In a way, when does it get cooler? Tu So, at Tu the wood guys stopped collecting wood, and they could go learn. The nights become longer, which tells us that we're required to learn. Rambam says, whatever you learn at night, that's what you remember, and that's worth so much more. So a person should set aside at night to learn. And this all happens on Tu the 15th of Av. And again, that's why it is the happiest day of the year. One more, and this is even stranger. So we had, we had the, uh, the war against the, the Romans after the destruction of the Ben Hamikdash, we had Betar, we had Bar Kokhva, and what happens is Adriano, Caesar, Yemach Shemor, he kills, I don't know if it was a million, but it was definitely talked about as a million. And what did he do with the bodies? He wanted to show that he's a tough guy. So in a similar way to the Romans crucifying people and leaving the crosses on the road to show you don't mess with us, what they do, they took all the bodies of these soldiers and they built fences around the vineyards. And the fences around the vineyards were built with bodies. These bodies sat for probably two, two and a half years until Adrianos died. When Adrianos died, they told him, you have permission to bury the bodies. When they came to bury the bodies, miraculously, the bodies did not decay. And they were able to bury the bodies. So we have in Birkat HaMazon, we have four blessings in Birkat HaMazon. The first one we say, Moshe Rabbeinu made. The second one, Yehoshua binun. The third one, David Melech and Shlomo Melech. And the fourth one is made after. This is made so much later. This is made after the year... Two hundred or so of the of the comedy era, and that bracha is Hatov v'Hametiv. It's the longest bracha that we say, and we say that because we're appreciative that the bodies didn't decay and we were able to bury the bodies. Not only that, we have this bracha Hatov v'Hametiv. When do we say it? If I drink a bottle of wine with my if I have kiddush on this bottle, and then someone takes out this bottle which is more Hashuv. It's more important. It's better. When I drink the second bottle, I don't say Boreh again. I already said it. But I say Hatov V'hametiv. When I sit with my... Okay? I sit with certain people. They'll say Hatov V'hametiv three or four times over the course of the night. As we open each bottle, we say Hatov V'hametiv. One 10-course dinner. With each course came another bottle and another Hatov V'hametiv. So this blessing, why is it said? Because we're thanking Hashem for the keeping the bodies and allowing us to bury the bodies. And since it was around the vineyards, we're saying it over the wine. And when did this happen? They were allowed to bury the bodies, Tu Therefore, Tu is the happiest day of the year. So, how do we understand all of these things? So, really, there's a way. There's a way to look at those stories and understand. Because what is Tu Be'av about? Tu Be'av seems to be about bringing things back together again. Reconnecting things, bringing things back to the way they should be. You're separated, you come back together. Tu Be'av is a day of reconnection. All those stories have an aspect of reconnection. But I saw something today that takes me a little, little beyond. We say that Tu Be'av signifies the atonement for the sin of the Meraglim. And we said that, the, that each year 15,000 died and the last year they got up and in the 15th of Av they didn't die. But there's something else that happens on the 15th of Av. The Gemara tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu again was able to communicate with Hashem. What? <laughs> it seems to suggest that since the sin of the spies Moshe couldn't communicate to Hashem, But we know that's not possible. So we're trying to understand what's going on. So we see in last week's Pedashah, it says, kol He says, Adonai After all of the people who were supposed to die from the spies, from that generation, after they died... Then Hashem spoke to me. Rashi on that pasuk says, But from when the spies sent forth until now, the word vaidaber is not mentioned at all. Rashi says only the word Vayomir. To teach you that during these entire 38 years during which B'nai Israel were under Hashem's seizure, uh, censure, the divine speech was not directed towards Moshe Rabenu as an expression of affection face to face with tranquility of mind to teach you that the Shekhinah rests upon the prophets only for the sake of Bnei Israel. Rashi is saying that for the 38 years that we're experiencing Hashem did not have this close relationship to Moshe because of what happened with the spies, Hashem said, Oh, I'm not interested even in you, Moshe. Rabbeinu Bachya goes further. He says, and he quotes the Gemaran Tanit, which is basically where Rashi is getting it. And he says that Hashem didn't speak individually with Moshe since the time of the Meraglim. He says this proved that Moshe's elevated position was entirely due to the people he represented. When these people were in disgrace, Moshe Rabbeinu was made to feel the same. This ended when? On this two Be'av, when they all realized that no one else was going to die. But then Rabbeinu B'Achiyah asked a crazy question. He says, I don't understand. If Hashem decreed on Tish Be'av that they weren't going to die, then why didn't Hashem speak to Moshe on the next day, on the 10th? Why did Hashem wait until the 15th to speak to Moshe again? You understand the question? The, the people may have not realized until the 15th that it's going to be wiped away. But Hashem knew as of the 9th that it's done. We're finished. So why doesn't Hashem immediately speak to Moshe? Why does He have to wait? The 9th, the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th. How many days? Seven. Moshe Rabbeinu every year sat shiva in a way. And mourned those people who died on the 9th, for the full 7 days. The 9th, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, he would get up on which day? The 15th. And even this year Moshe was mourning them. The ones who had passed away in all the other years. And therefore, while he was in that state, Hashem did not speak to him. That's what Rabbi Ubachia says. But I have a harder thing that I don't understand. Because if you came to every class we've had in the last 30 years, what's the problem? Hashem didn't speak to Moshe using Vaidaber. He only spoke to Hashem using Vayomer. Mm-hmm. What doesn't make sense, David? Come on. Vaidaber is Lashon? Hard. 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 Kasher. Vayomer is Lashon Chiva. So you're, you're telling me now that Hashem in the 38 years only used the term Vayomer. And because he didn't use the term by dabir, it meant he wasn't speaking to Moshe with love. We learned the opposite. So what's he talking about? What's Rabbeinu Bachya talking about? What's Rashi talking about? You're telling me that in order for Hashem to have a loving relationship with Moshe, he has to use tough language. Tough language? It's, a, it's, it's a good question, no? This is the question I, I, I started with. This is my question today that made me think and really makes me, I think, understand what Tu Be'av is about. What's the difference between a harsh language and a soft language? This is the mashal I'm going to give you. I'm sitting in shul, in Diel, And there's this kid running around annoying everybody. And someone's sitting there and saying, who's his father? Who's his father? I don't know who his father Look at his face. You can tell which family he's from. You know, Syria. Look at his face. Why? who's his father? Who's his father? I don't know who his father. He goes to some guy and he gets a lollipop. Guy goes, is that his father? Goes, Everybody gives lollipops. You don't know who's his father. He's still running around the kid. All of a sudden, the guy grabs him, smacks him in the head and tells him, stop. Who's his father? The guy who gives him the lollipop, the only one who's going to tell you what to do, the only one who's going to stop you and care about you to give you to give you tohachah, to give you musar is who? Father. Your father. So what is Rashi saying, what's Rabbeinu Bachya saying, what's the Gemara saying? It's saying that, you know, the Gemara tells us if you go 40 days without Yisurim, if you go 40 days without any punishment, anything, you know what that means? It basically means that God is saying, I don't give a hoot about you. I don't care what you do I don't want to know you We say that if a person puts their hand in the pocket And they take out the wrong coin This is Yisudim They should think maybe I did something wrong Hashem is telling me something Because we always do something wrong So Hashem is talking to us But if Hashem doesn't do anything to you for 40 days You know what He's done? He's written you off He's completely written you off We have to know that a way to show love Is through Tochacha Musar we have this whole book of Devarim. It starts, Ele Devarim. What is the book of Devarim? It's a book of Musar. It's a book of tochacha. It's, it's a book of Moshe telling you, this is the way you need to live. We have Divrei Kohelet. Every time we have this word, Divrei, it's telling us, this is Musar. This is how you have to live. And in that, in giving someone Musar and tochacha, he's showing love. You only rebuke someone, you love. If you don't love them, you couldn't care less what they do. You don't want your children to make a mistake. You correct a dear friend. This soft language is showing us that you're not listening anyway. Oh, it could be heck, it doesn't matter. It's only with someone I love can I be there. Who is your biggest critic? Me, I can tell you. Everyone look. This is my biggest critic. Baruch Hashem, this is my biggest critic. Because if I didn't have the biggest critic, I wouldn't do what I'm supposed to do. Who's the one who steers you back on the road? We say, what's Ezer Kenegdor? Ezer Kenegdor is the bumpers on the two sides. I go this way, who's going to push me back? Boom. So I get mad, you know, she yells at me. But Okay, I know it's, it's you know, Hashem is talking to me through, uh, through the Esher Chayil over here. So we have to also think of something else. All the months of the year in the Jewish calendar, the names of the months, where do they come from, the names of the months? Bavel Babylonian They're Babylonian gods basically, right? There's one month That doesn't seem to be a Babylonian god Which month? Av What does Av mean? Father Av is the month that we get the most slaps But it's the month that we have to Connect the most with Hashem And that's why we call it Minachem Av so it says, Hashem, in essence, what is Tuba Av all about? Tu is Hashem taking us back as a child. Tu is Hashem saying, you know what, guys? I'm back, I'll be your father. 38 years, He says, I'm not interested in them. And then Tu He says, no. I think this is why the Zohar talks about the Shekhinah rising. This is the whole idea because the Shekhinah is in Galut. The Shekhinah is down. What happens on Tu be'av? Hashem becomes Avinu. He becomes our father. He connects to us in a way that's different from everyone else. Because everyone else is, let it be. With us, Hashem is showing, I care about you. I want you to do the right thing. I want to make sure you do the right thing. I want to make sure you go in the right direction. I I think this is the Yisod of tubeav That Hashem is coming to be your father. We have six weeks from now until... Rosh Hashanah. Six weeks from now till Rosh Hashanah. Two weeks, we start saying, Silichot, others start blowing the Shofar. You start to connect. This is the point where Hashem says, Okay, come home, let me connect. Now I want to take you in a little di- different direction, and but I think we're going to end up in the same place. So if we take a look at Birkat HaMazon, we say, We read it in this week's Perashah. And like we said, Moshe, the first one in the desert, the second one, Yehoshua and Eretz Yisrael, the third one, Bunei Yerushalayim, David and Shlomo, the fourth one is Hatovah HaMetiv. The vast majority of Tefilot are Ansheh Knesset HaGdol. That's written when? That's before the second Bet HaMikdash. But this is unusual because it's after the second Bet HaMikdash. And the root of this blessing is Tu Be'av. It says... It's a strange reason to add the longest uh, blessing that we make And we make it multiple times a day With all the good that Hashem does for us We couldn't find a better reason to thank Hashem Than keeping those bodies What's going on? And we say that 2,000 years We're still thanking Hashem for that miracle It's very difficult to understand But we compare, the Gemara compares to To Yom Kippur Now think of Yom Kippur and Tu I want you to think of the two. Yom Kippur, in the Torah, we're told to fast on which day? Which day, Yom Kippur, are we told to fast? What day are we told to fast? The 9th and the the 10th. But we say it's too difficult to fast two days. So what do we do? We eat a lot on the 9th and we fast on the 10th. There are... Five things that we're not allowed to do That we abstain from on Yom Kippur The only fast that we have During the year that we abstain from The same five things is when? Tisha B'Av Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur Now We compare the two They're both the 25 hour fast more or less They're very similar Very similar but Someone opposite Says when we leave Yom Kippur Do any of us really know How we were judged? Do any of us really know If where Hashem is telling us He says whisper in your ear Come back next year And uh, you know have a good year We'll see you next year right? There's a story of the Khatam Sofer If I'm going to take a bigger Sadiq, Yom Kippur He says I passed I was given another year, unfortunately by Hoshanat Abba, he realized he didn't, and he passes away. So we go through Yom Kippur, we think that, you know, I did, we're successful, beautiful, let's go eat. How do we know if we did good? We hear stories of people, not going to be such a Shana Tova. But we're told that after Yom Kippur, if a person listens, He could hear in his ear that Hashem says, go home, eat your bread. That's the Kohen Gadol, go home, eat your bread, have a good life. Kippur ends, and what do we feel? Every one of us feel that we were successful. I know when I finish that Ne'ilah, at the top of my lungs. Jack, one year you got to be with us, Yom Kippur, (laughs) this is very special. At the end of Ne'ilah, when we're finished, You have to feel, you have to feel that something happened, that you broke through, that you're good, you're connected, everything's clean. You could even imagine seeing the scarlet of the the thread or of the string around the goat turn to white. We go home, we eat, but do we know the verdict? Shouldn't we be more nervous? We hope Hashem accepts it. But what gives us the confidence? Does our soul really hear this bat call, the voice from heaven? And then look what happens. The day after Yom Kippur, we come home from Yom Kippur and what do we start doing that night? We come out here and start building the sukkah and this not so easy. Without Julio this, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, my sons in law could be Israel. <laughs> so We come home and we start to build the sukkah We start to build the sukkah And four days later after Yom Kippur What do we do? We're sitting in the sukkah and we're celebrating And what do we call sukkot? Yom Simchatenu, the day of our joy We're walking around in the street And we're carrying the lulav And what's the lulav supposed to signify? Miracle, victory This is it, I won We have no idea of what the decision was on Yom Kippur, but we walk around as if we won. The Rabbis tell us, HaKadosh Baruch Hashem, Hashem is a God of mercy. Hashem is looking for us to return completely to Hashem. He's also looking to see how much we care about Hashem. You know, one of the words that we say in the Amidah every day, that really gets to me is we say, Kivinu Vesipinu. Hashem. What does that mean? I'm praying, I'm hoping, I'm desiring that Hashem is, 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 is saved. The Shekhinah is saved. Because I have to think the Shekhinah is in Galut. Because when I went into Galut, Hashem didn't leave me alone. He came with me. The Shekhinah, she came with me. And she's with me. So I'm thinking every day, I brought you down here. I got you stuck here. I think this is one of the ideas when Yaakov was afraid to go to Mitzrayim and Hashem says, don't worry, I'm coming to you, coming with you. I'm taking you down into the depths of of humanity. So it says, a person has to think, we have to think how much do we care about Hashem. We learn that there's two types of regret. A person does something wrong. He regrets, he commits, he asks forgiveness But what does it mean Teshuvah shilema, Complete repentance What is incomplete teshuvah You know I, I smoke half a cigarette I stopped smoking but I smoke half a cigarette What is incomplete teshuvah, what's complete teshuvah Either it's teshuvah or it's not What's half teshuvah Half teshuvah is no teshuvah So what's going on Hashem looks at a person and the person regrets. The person has to have regret. He has to commit never to do it again. He has to have the commitment. We could say, but if not, Hashem can't accept it. So we ask Hashem, what do we say? Hashem, please. What do we want? We want Hashem to return us in complete redemption to you. What do you mean? Hashem, I want you to take me in complete redemption. Who's Teshuvah up to? God or me? Why am I asking God to do something that I have to do? The Gemara says it's a strange statement. It says that if one if someone wants a segula for Parnassah someone wants to make sure they're gonna make money, you know. They can't just be like in the movie, show me the money, God, right? Lotto tonight, big one, right? They can't just say, please, you know, Hashem, come on. It says, what does it say in the Gemara? It tells us that a person should incorporate the sadness of Hashem into our own situation. A person has to empathize with Hashem. A person has to... And, and the Gemara is saying, it's Koflim panasato. He says, anyone who feels the, 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 the sadness of heaven, that person is going to have Panasa. It says, Hashem is sad. Why is Hashem sad? I don't understand what that means, but Hashem is sad. Why? When we do wrong, Hashem sometimes has to punish us. Punish us for not his good, for our own good. But it hurts Hashem to do it, just like it hurts a parent to punish a child. You never want to do it. The father learns that a son did something wrong. The father is sad. But more so, the father feels shame. He feels shame. Now the son... The son has to regret, he has to commit and he has to change. But what else does the son have to do? The son has to comfort his father for what pain he caused his father over what he did. Imagine for a second, a kid does something very bad. It goes in the public eye. The father is embarrassed. This is my child. This is what he did. How is it possible? So the person doesn't just have to do Teshuvah for the sin that he committed. What does he have to do? He has to do something to show his father that he's sorry. That Not that he did this crime. That he caused him to feel pain and to feel bad. Because he caused his father to be sad. This is Teshuvah Shilema. Teshuvah is, okay, I admit I did it. I'm not going to do it. Boom, that's Teshuvah. Teshuvah is when I realize that my action also impacts Hashem because in a way it causes Hashem sadness. He says, I have to feel the pain and shame that I caused Hashem. Teshuvah Shelema is feeling Hashem's pain. Feeling sad that I upset Hashem. Forgetting the deed for a moment. That's not the most important. Also think about what you caused Hashem. This is a complete return. Hashem loves this attempt at empathy. He forgets everything else. This is Teshuvah. This is where Hashem, He says, HaRotzei Teshuvah, this is on a very, very high level to be empathic. The height of Yom Kippur, aside from the al aside from the I'm sorry, is turning to Hashem and saying, I'm, I'm sorry because what I caused you pain when I sinned. I'm sorry for upsetting you and forcing you to punish me, to wake me up. Like a parent who says that when they, when they punish their child, it hurts them more than it hurts the child. This is Teshuvah Shilema. And when a person does this, then that person can hear, you did a good job, go home, eat and drink, have a happy year. We have to understand the result of the sin. Worse than the sin is the pain that we bring. Avinu The rabbis explain this is the key to Yom Kippur. If we feel this pain, this is Teshuvah Shelema. Then what happens? If we feel it, we know we're victorious. Then we prepare for Sukkot. And what happens when we go in the Sukkah? We remember we have to say, what is the Sukkah? The Sukkah is the Shekhinah. Surrounding us. The Sukkah is the Shekhinah. And who comes to visit during the holiday? The Ushbizin. Who's the Ushbizin? Abraham, Yitzhak. You think they're coming to visit me? It's a beautiful Sukkah. Overlook the beach. Come, Abraham. Look at the view. He's not coming to visit me. He's coming because what's in the Sukkah? The Shekhinah. The presence of Hashem. It says, this is Yom Simchatenu. The Lulav shows we're victorious. Hashem is back. He's connected to me. Daddy is home again. He loves me. I did what I had to do. I felt bad for hurting him. And now we hug each other again. If you reach that level of worrying, then you win. The rabbis explain, how does this relate to Parnassah? Hashem says, he sees you struggling. He sees the difficulty. He's our father. He looks and he sees. Business not so good, investment not so bad, the interest rates are up. What could I do for my son? Hashem suffers when we suffer. So the Gemara explains when you feel for Hashem, you get double Parnasa. Because Hashem is reacting to you the same way. You show your love, Hashem shows love back. Adonai Silecha, Al God is your shadow. Whatever you do, God does back to you. It's amazing. Hashem stresses so much for us to have empathy. For us to feel the pain of others. Empathy is so important. Tu Be'av comes right after Tisha and the te- the ninth and 10th of Av. Just like Sukkot comes after Tisha Be'av. I mean comes Yom after Yom, uh, Yom Kippur. Kippur. Tu Be'av comes after Tisha Be'av. It's similar to Sukkot. There's so many comparisons that we have. At the destruction of the Ben Hamikdash, the Gemara Hagigad says, Hashem mourns the destruction. When the palace below is destroyed, Hashem stays out of the palace above. Hashem himself goes into exile. We force Hashem into Galut. The Gemara says, Hashem is crying. The angels ask, why? Hashem is upset because my children have no mikdash below. Our mourning, three weeks, nine days, one week, the day. It's not because of a lack of a bed of mikdash. It's not the lack of a building. We mourn because we forced Hashem to see His children go homeless. There are a lot of stories describing Hashem, how He felt Attempts to comfort Hashem. We have the Avot sitting with Hashem. All these stories in the Midrash. The minute Hashem saw, we have to empathize. We have to realize that not only did we go homeless, we forced Hashem to be homeless at the same time. The Shechinah in Galut. Why? Because we are. The main thing is not simply the loss of the Mikdash. We have to mourn that Hashem feels bad. We have to mourn that we made Hashem homeless. It's a powerful image for a person to hold on to. It's such a powerful thought. We say, Al Naharot Bavel. There we sat. There we cried. But Hashem also cried. Tish'a Be'av. It could be a duplicate of Yom Kippur. We regret because we caused Hashem pain. We pray to bring comfort to Hashem. We're hoping and praying every day. It says that we pray to bring comfort to Hashem. If so, if we do that, just like Sukkot becomes a day of victory and celebration, what happens? The week later, Tu Be'av becomes a day of victory and celebration. But Tu Be'av is even higher than Yom Kippur. It's because of the sins and the related sadness we caused on Tisha B'Av. We mourn that we made Hashem homeless. If you feel for the Shekhinah, you'll be blessed. Comes the Gemara and explains, all those things of Tu you look at the list, marrying, joining together, burying, all those things, what do they show? They show Kapara Shelema, complete Kapara yom kippur we say u'mechila. we hope for kapara but when do we really see it in action when do we see it in action we see it on to we see it when hashem says i'm your daddy again come give me a hug you have to really think that you have to visualize you have to feel it it's a full recovery for am yisrael it's a full reward as we understand suffering the last year they dug the graves. Why is the of that generation? Perhaps they realized finally the sin of the spies. When we don't go into the land, we keep Hashem out of the land. More than just a major sin, it's the pain that we cause Hashem. All thirty-eight years they went down to dig their graves. They said vidui. They did teshuvah before they passed away, but it wasn't a complete teshuvah. Because the teshuvah, shelema, has to be, I have to realize that what I did was a sin. But I made Hashem upset. I made him feel bad. Those 15,000, when they got up out of the grave on the 9th and on the 10th and on the 11th and on the 12th, they felt bad. They felt for Hashem. They felt, look what we did. The 9th and 10th of Av. The mikdash is burning. The mikdash is burning. We could smell the smoke finally we see, we caused Hashem pain, not only did we become homeless, we caused Hashem to become homeless. If we understand that, then we can understand the incredible power of Tu Why is it a holiday that no one celebrates? Why is it a holiday only we say, we don't say Tachanun? And, uh, because people don't understand the power of this holiday. The power of this holiday is really one of a reunion where Hashem says, You feel for me. I love you. I want you to have everything. I want to take care of you. You feel my pain. I feel your pain. We have to feel Hashem's pain. If we feel Hashem's pain, then we're going to have Hashem feel our pain and take all of the pain away. It's not us. It's Avinu Shabbat For this comforting of Hashem that we made him homeless. For this empathy. And then we have the next seven weeks. What is the next seven weeks? We have each week, the Shabbat, where we have a haftarah of comforting. We have seven haftarah of comfort. The key is to remember that the destruction of the Mikdash, it didn't simply harm us, it pained Hashem. We have to realize the fire burned, only combustible things burned. Stone doesn't burn, buildings of stone don't burn. Wood burned, that's the idea of the cutting of the wood, the 15th of Av. That's what we're remembering. We're remembering that we caused the fire, we caused Hashem to be homeless. Tu be'av is a celebration that our sorrow is accepted. And we better relate to, and we we can better relate and understand Hashem. No more cutting relates to no more burning. Like Yom Kippur, Yom Kapara. This is what Tisha be'av can be. Remember we said that the 21 days, the holiday that's missing in the Torah, in Pasha Pinchas, there's a missing holiday that goes from from Shavuot to Rosh Hashanah, it's missing. All the other ones have paragraph breaks. This year's this missing. What's missing? The 21-day holiday from Shiva Asar Bet-Tamuz to Tisha B'Av. This is going to be the greatest holiday. Tisha B'Av is going to go from a day of mourning to a day of celebration. But what does it take to make that happen? It's not someone sending a building down because of magic. It's all up to us. If we feel the pain of Hashem, then Hashem feels the pain of us. And only then will He send Mashiach bim rabbi amen. Thank you everybody. For... Exactly. Exactly.